yo, it's X. Crizzo? It's your boy. It's your boy Crizzo. Crizzo, you got a new message. I thought you had a new hook. Oh yeah. Like, comment, share, subscribe. Or not. I can't tell you what to do. I can only tell you what you should do. So go and do that shit. There we go. Bravo, bravo, bravo. And today we got this guy. He's a pretty cool guy. Uh Distro Lord. Distro Lord is in the chat. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, peace, peace, man. Hope everyone's having a great time and just, you know, um, having one piece with themselves, you know? Lord, I feel that. I feel that. Um, uh, that's definitely a message we need nowadays because there's so much chaos going on. So we need some order, you know what I'm saying? So very, very choice words right there, Distro Lord. We appreciate you, man. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time to be knocking this out with you and also my boy Zach for uh connecting us and you know one of one of one of the few people I learned a lot from your platform about him I didn't know he was 19 uh when <laughs> I didn't know he was 19 when I got him to do a lot of those uh pieces for Vice and, yeah um I'm very selective on certain platforms. Uh, um, who I let, who I let artists that I work with be on is because I is is supposed to be a reflection of who they are. Yeah. So I always like them to do um, platforms that represent, you know, the W or whoever I work with, you know, because you know a lot of people just do do clickbait. And and when he wrote some amazing pieces for Vice, man, he wrote some really, really good. The stuff that he did for Ghost and RZA, Tragedy, Large Professor, uh, Mike Dean. It, it was it was really groundbreaking, groundbreaking, you know. Yeah, man. Yo, Zach is the truth, man. man. He is the truth, man. I met him when I was in middle school, and he had already had a business already, like, set up his operation and stuff. It was, like, a little incubator for high schools, high schoolers. And, man, I, like, I knew he was going to go on to do some crazy things, and he was already, like, on that skater vibe. So, like, I knew he would get into some some madness when he went to New York. So, yeah, man, nah, like, shout out to Zach. We got to show the appreciation to him, man, without a doubt. Shout out to that, man. Yeah, Zach's the truth. Zach's the truth and stuff. So tell us, tell us, Distro Lord. So you see New York to the core. I look at a lot of your content. I'm like, man, this dude is New York to the core. You did you grow up? Were you born and raised in New York? Yeah, I was born and raised in New York, Booth Memorial Hospital, Flushing Queens. You know what I mean? Okay. You know, you know, amazing people like Large Professor, people who like put me under the titty. You know what I'm saying? Mentored under him. Um, super honored. Uh, he is one of the uh, he is one of one of the people I really really appreciate giving me so many life lessons, man. And he um, he's he's one of the like alumni flushing alumni. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, he told me stories that Nas used to come and write a lot of Illmatic in flushing, and Oof. so so it's like it's it's, it's 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 dope. Like when you can hear them stories and you can hear like. You know, the first time um, Rakim ever met Nas, you know, you know Nas, there was a studio called um, Power Play, and it's basically like four blocks away from Qu Queensbridge. And 
he would tell Nas when uh, when Rockin won't pull up to the studio, he would tell Nas to come to the studio and knock some demos out, you know. And one time Rakim came in, and everyone kind of was like, "Oh shit!" And then Rakim was like, "Now, nah, yeah, y'all finish up, you know what I'm saying? I'll stay here." And he was like, and then Rockin, you sound good, man. Sound sound nice, baby Paul. It sound good on that mic and. And then, yeah. you know what I mean? But it's like them stories, man. It's like, damn, yo, this is dope. Rakim knew about Nas before Nas was even big. Like, you know, like. That's really cool. You know, like, it was it was like the passing of the baton. So it's like, you know. Right, you start, yeah. you, start, you, start, you start hearing these stories, like, and and, and it, and it, and it kind of shows you, like, damn, dude. And he was an engineer. He produced an engineer. So, I mean. Rakim at that time, Lodge was Lodge Professor was like 18, 19 years old, you know, fresh out of high school, you know, for, you know, like it, it, it's crazy. So that's that's amazing. So you grew up with like you grew up hearing the stories and stuff like that. So when were you like originally like when did you become a protege? Like when did you like come under a wing? Like how old were you? Uh I was uh, my father was uh he put me onto music at a very young age. So he like put me onto like classic rock, which Large Professor calls Bayside music, uh, which is like classic rock, sticks, uh, foreigner, uh, tears of fears, like Large Professor. Yeah, says, yeah, like, yeah. Bayside, you know, cause it's like a part, it's a part of, in Queens is so big, right? So this part of Bay, Bayside is like kind of like a wealthy area, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he would say Bell, Bell, Bell Boulevard. So Bell Boulevard is like, it's all like a wealthy uh, um, boulevard, you know what I mean? In Queens, yeah. you know? So we'd be like, yo, that's that Bell Boulevard. So that's like, that's going into Bay Terrace and Malba and, Ma- and you know what I mean? So it, it's dip- so it's like Bayside is like the nice, for say, yo, that's that Bayside shit. So that's the shit I would listen to, you know? Okay. And then, and then my dad was, he always Marvin, heavy Motown, you know? And that, that was, that was kind of like the cloth I, I was, I was in. And my dad, he, um, one day, my sister, she was, uh, she went to Brooklyn tech. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they had like parent teacher conference and I was playing the Fuji's album and, I was playing Killing Me Softly and my dad was like, man, that's not even, that's not even her song. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this song just came out. And my dad was like, man, I'm not going to argue with you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So my sister comes, my sister comes with my mom. She did good. We're driving back home and we listened to WCBS FM. It's like the oldie station. Mm -hmm. And they're like, "Um, a resurgence has came back uh, from a very classic hit, Roberta Flack. Killing me, Killing me softly, and and the song comes on, and it's like you know sometimes like you know parents hit you with the like not even talk to you, give you that look, right? And it's like <laughs> the song comes on, and I look at my dad, he looks at me, I'm like, Damn. but that was a lesson. That was my first sampling lesson, right? Mm-hmm. That was my first sampling lesson. You know, if I would have knew the sample or I would have knew the song, I would have looked stupid. When I my first sampling lesson was I was I would be riding with my uncle and he played like something that was like current and he's like yo you hear that you hear that like tune under there and I was like 
Yeah, I hear it. I was like, it, it low-key sounded like some old school type of thing. He was like, look at this. And then he'll skip right to like the actual track. And I'm like, I, I was amazed. I was like, I was probably like 12 when I figured that out. I was like, yo, and it was like the same deal where I'm like, oh, like no one did this. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're like, I guess when you're young, you just think like, you know it all, I guess. Basically, you know, you're just, you're just being young and you're just living life at this point. You know, you really don't know anything. I feel that. I feel that. So how were you in school? What were you like in school? I was like, uh, when I got to high school is when things got kind of like cool, better, you know, like uh, elementary to junior high, I, I, I ran track, um, but it was kind of like for, for, it wasn't for the school. It was just kind of like, I ran for my, uh, for my parish, you know, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, so I'm not, so it was just cool. I was, I, I, like I said, like I, I passed school, like I went through school, but I wasn't like really that much fun until I got to high school. Okay. And then it was like, all right, cool. I start running track. I start, you know, winning, um, you know, the meets and the, the invitationals for cross country and all that. And it's like, oh, yeah. so you know, my sister says, hey, you know, your name's in the newspaper. I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, shit. And then it's like, all right, cool. And then, you know, the teachers are a little bit more lean, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I, I, really, don't uh, I really don't understand that. Can you, can I meet you after class or after school? Can you, like, oh, yeah, I'll give you the extra tutoring. We can't have you fail out, you know? You're a good kid, you know? So, yeah. so I, I also was... Uh, uh, I did the 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 shot clock and the and the score, scoreboard for the basketball team, you know. So I was the dean was the head coach of the basketball team. So and okay. we were really cool. So and he knew I run track. So he, you know, it was a lot of love. You got a lot of respect. It sounds like that's really that's really cool. Uh, so tell us in cross country, that's a really like that's a sport that doesn't have a lot of you know fans or nothing. It's really like a personal thing. Uh, how did that help you, like, later on in life? Did did you learn any lessons from, you know, uh, running? I think a lot of billionaires and millionaires, people who are really focused, like, lasered in, running gives them a different mindset, right? Yes. Like, when you're running, there's no one around, around you. And I don't like to run with no music, right? I like to just be me and my, me and my body and my mind. Right, like music is cool, and I, I to each his own. But when you're running 15 miles, all that stuff on your body starts weighing you down. Yeah, and after a while, it becomes annoying. But when you have nothing and it's just you, and you find the rhythm of your mind, that's some other thing that people can't take away from you. You know, and when you're trying to, especially in business, when you're trying to achieve unbelievable feats, you understand that it takes time. Because when you're running, you're not going to run 15 miles in a month. There's no way. Even if you practice every day, long hours, your body needs time to, to adjust and be where it is to get to it. It takes time to get that body, you know? 
And right. um, it doesn't even matter if you're a protege, your body, your body will collapse, you know, because it's, yeah. it does, it's not, yep. it's not, it's not, it's not, um, how can it's, it's not, um, it, it can't endure the stuff yet. It, it's ready though. It wants, it wants to, but it can't, mm -hmm. you know? You know, <clears throat> funny thing about that, um, <clears throat> like for me, I also did track in high school too as well. I didn't do long distance, but I did uh, uh, sprints, right? I did sprints and uh, man, like the practice would always, like we would all practice together, right? So it was very uh, taxing on my body, right? Because I also played basketball, but we didn't really run as much as as the uh, track kids did, right? We would only necessarily run for like, uh, like I guess around the court, and uh, like not really like run run. We would only run run for punishment, and that was an actual real practice in track. So I, my body had to really adjust to that type of environment and and that that type of thing. And it, and uh, it was also like a big mental thing too as well, like going into that right because it's 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 a completely different game, right? So uh, I can definitely relate to what uh you just said like that's that you know like that's crucial i feel like um in regards to having like laser focus you have to have that man you have to like cancel things out and i think once you start understanding that point you'll be good it, it just takes um a lot of distractions especially when you're a young person because when you're young 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 man or young woman going to puberty still you, you know in a very young age we're not taught financial literacy so you know you're just spending money very frivolous um so uh yeah it's just uh It's just, it's just something that, you know, we, you know, me, we're running. That's what it really does. Like it slows me down. You know, I'm not in, the, I'm not in a rush, you know, especially, right. you mm -hmm. know, I'm not, I'm, I know it's going to be a long race, you know, and it's going to take, it's going to take some time for me to get it done. It truly is a marathon. And that, that's what, uh, I mean, I was in a sport like that. I was in an endurance sport. I was in rowing that, uh, you got to, when it's a marathon, you're going to have those times where you're going to mess up. There's going to be times where you're going to get hit with barriers and you got to keep it pushing somehow, some way. So that's, that's pretty dope. I have no idea. Um, so, you know, you were this, this athlete, you had, you know, good connections within your school. Um, what happened after high school? What did life look like after that? Uh, my my uh, my parents my parents wanted me to uh, my parents wanted me to um, to go run track to go to take the scholarship mm -hmm. right and uh, I basically kept it real with my parents I'm like look I love y'all and you know I, I really did a lot with this running thing um, but I'm kind of like lost lost the passion for running right and and they're like what you mean you lost this 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 is what you do you run you know like this is what you do 
So my parents, my parents um, wanted me to do the scholarship and my dad wanted me to go to the army. And I was like, yo, um, I'm like, yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, basically, I'm basically gonna do this music thing. And they, they really, they, they, they didn't get it. And uh, I told him I'm, I'm still going to college. You know, I'm, 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 good, so I'm just gonna do college locally. So uh, I, uh, before, before, I went, before I went to college in high school, I started to do street team for Def Jam. And when I did um, street team for Def Jam, that's when I got my foot in the door and I started meeting people like DJ Enough, Plain Pat, um, Hey, Pat, what up? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, they, you know, um, Chris Lighty, Jonathan <clears throat> Lighty, uh, just a lot, a lot of good people, man, showed me a lot of love. And, you know, I, I, I was, at that time, I was a mixtape DJ. And uh, I was, I was, I was killing it as a mixtape DJ. I was putting in my own tapes. Mm -hmm. uh, I was, get, I was getting exclusive uh, drops, exclusive, um, songs from these artists before a clue or a who kid mm. and uh i remember one day I, I had a meeting with shaman excel and this is on the hype of the 50 50 cent mixtapes and um at, at, at that time i was killing it i had a mixtape with big mike um he was nice. big i had a mixtape with cup master c i had a mixtape with ron g all in one year uh -huh. i had a mix i had a mixtape with uh um, d life tropical quest dj and I was just, I was just really killing it. Uh, like I was out here in Canal Street selling my mixtapes, and um, and um, fucking uh, that shit, that shit, it, it just, it just became, it became like a real, a real big phenomenon, you know, me doing these tapes, and um, and um, eventually the tape, my my tapes, um, um. Got got me like with people, um, like enough, and he was basically calling the labels for me, and telling labels, yo, put them on the record, the record pool, um, put them on the list, the DJ list, so you can get all the joints, and that basically kind of helped me blow up, you know, as 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 a DJ, you know, it, it was it was it, it was kind of big, and 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 that helped me, um, you know, a from that doing doing them tapes, I got to go on tour with Ashanti. I did all her like southern, like North Carolina, South Carolina. I was like her her um a club DJ, and I got I got to learn how to read the crowd, like what records to play, what records not to play, when to play those type of records. Uh, so uh, so like I said, my parents they really didn't know, you know, but because I worked in the music industry, I knew that it was it was big money. It just, I just had to get my connections, um, you know, right. go, go through, go through my little turmoils and find out who really rocks with me. And, and yeah, but that, that's the beginning of how a lot of, how, how a lot of things started for me, you know, word, word, word. that, um, actually, um, ex didn't your, uh, uncle used to work for Def Jam at, at, at a point too. So that's, uh, you know, a pretty interesting and, uh, around what, Around what time period would you say all this was going on? Like, like during the eighties, early nineties, around this that early, time. This is early. This is um late, late nineties. Early two thousands. Yeah, it's like ninety nine. 
Okay. Um, 98, 99. I start. I started to go. I started to work at Def Jam. So this is like because, the peak. This is like yeah, the because, peak in the yeah yeah. Like I I did I did the Murderers album. I did Jay Z Volume Three. I did uh Nutty Professor album. Um, mm-hmm. Jail Felony. Foxy Brown. Um, Joe okay. Buttons. Joe Button when he was on Spit. No homo. Uh, uh, um, he was on, th- and that's Stretch Armstrong's label too. If a lot of people don't know that, um, from Stretch and Bob, you know what I mean. Uh, who else? Uh, yeah, it was it was cool. Yay, or like it, they're all in one floor too, like Rockefeller, Murder Inc., um, DMX's label, Bloodline. Uh, we were all in one. We were all on one floor and shit. Island was in the other side. Um, Lior and Lior and, and, mm-hmm. and Kevin and all of them were in the 29th. Right. Like, like, like it was ill. It, it was different, you know. And the old knew me, like you know. I remember one day. Uh, uh, I seen my boy, my boy Mark Breezy. He used to he used to work for Def Jam. He did like a lot of big records, like Jail Felony records. A lot of big dudes in the West. He did um Meth the Man album, uh, and uh. He see me in the hallway. He said, yo, let me talk to you real quick. And he was like, um, he says, yo, man, we're talking about you in the offices, man. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, you know Lyles? I'm like, who's that? He said, Kevin Lyles. I'm like, man. He was like, he talked about you in the office. He talked to you today about you in the meeting. I'm like, for real? He's like, yeah, you need, he said, he said, we need to have more of your energy. That's pretty cool. That's really dope. That's really dope. <laughs> was what like, was the what? energy? What was the energy you was putting up? You know, like I was fearless, bro. Like That's what's up. I can't believe I was there. Like you know, like I had to sh- had to show them. Like, it doesn't matter what I was doing. That was doing good. Like I was doing all the. Po- I built my own little team up. I had my own squad. They're like, yo, this motherfucker in four months came here by himself, him as little homeboy. Now they got six of them here. They're like doing, they're killing it on the promo. You know, like every year they had Hot 97 did uh, New Year's, New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yo, you, you want to come, you know, pull up and shit. And I was like, what? Right, Hot 97? Yeah. I got on the radio. <laughs> Got on the radio for the first time ever. Like they interviewed me. Like you just do high ninety seven Def Jam Street Team. We in the street. <laughs> yeah. But I was young, and I feel like that was the energy, right? The energy was, yo, we we got it. We we Def Jam. We the heart of hip hop, you know. And, yeah. And um, that's what I got from working from there. Like, you know, I never seen Russell, but Russell's name was always brought up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. He he's like, I learned I learned so much from Russell. Um, it's yo he's like he you know I, I met him a few times but I never had uh, a chance to um you know just just say thank you you know what I mean like just like yo thank you bro like I said I seen Kevin um I seen Kevin four years ago at a, a Warner 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 Publishing uh, Grammys party and. Every like every big Warner executive, Julie Greenwald, uh, Kaiser, like uh, Todd, like uh, mm, they're yeah. all they're all there. And I go to 
Kevin, and I'm like, you know who I am, right? He says, you're Gustavo Guerra. That's your <laughs> street team. And I'm like, this is why I love you. He's like, you know, I always look out for you. You know, when they when they call, they ask about you, I say, you my guy, right? I'm like, I know, Kev. He says, you, you are, I'm very proud of you, man. He gave me a hug, and I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Kevin Lyles is validating me right now, like, on some real... And looking out for you, too. Looking out for you. That's dope. That's dope. On the low, because... And and Lior, man, like, I always have much... much, You know, people talk bad about Lior, man, and all all I can say is, man, he's been stand-up with me, man. You know, like, that's all I have to say. Like, I had a meeting one day, and my son was... My son was, like, three months years old, and... And it was... It was... I had to go to this meeting, man, and 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 the other person that was supposed to be in the meeting didn't show up. So I was like, damn, man. I, I, I just, you know, my babysitter didn't, you know, pull up, and I was like, you want something? I, I called my, one of my mentors up, and I was like, yo, man, I got to see Lior. My baby didn't, baby didn't, babysitter didn't pull up. He was like, yo, just go to the meeting with your baby. I'm like, what? He was like, hey. that was sure. He was like, that's going to show Lior that you're a family man. And that's what you are. You're a family man. You're not out here in these streets. You know what I mean? And I was like, hi. And then just went in there with my son. Like, Leo, man, pardon. You know, um, babysitter, you know. He's like, oh, more life. This is beautiful. He's like, Adrian, Adrian just came here with his with his family. He's like, and then he's like, damn, I would have just had my my family with me in the meeting. I'm like, yeah. He said, Leo's like, you need any hot warm to warm the bottle for your baby. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, Lisa, please warm the bottle for the baby. He's like, more, he's like, come on, let's, let's have this meeting. And like my, my son was right next to me. I was feeding the bit, feeding him. He was holding my hand throughout the meeting and all that. Shout and, out. Hey, that's a that's a real look. That's a real look for him. And uh and you know, I did I did the whole meeting with my son. It took like a whole hour. We talked about Adrian Young, artist that he managed, and and uh, and yeah, it was it, it was it was cool, man. And then after that, you know, Leo said, "Yeah, anything you need, Gustavo, like I got you. You my guy, you know." And uh, yeah, so like I said, man, you know, it was it was cool, man. It was a cool. It was a cool little, like I said, man, it's a cool little moment, like being part of that, that, that tree, you know, because so many people have came from that tree and, you know, have, have became something big within time, you know, Def Jam, you know, still to this day, you know, you sign a Def Jam, like so many great artists are still, still there, you know? Yeah. Uh, question, uh, what was it like DJing with, uh, with Ashanti? Like, uh, what lessons did you learn DJing, working on the crowd, working the crowd, like, how was that? Man, man, I knew I knew I was killing it. I knew I was killing it because one night I think I think we was in I think we was in North Carolina or we was we was somewhere in the south and I was still young. I was still mad young and shit. And they're like, we can't let him in. He's not he's not of age. And then Ashanti came and she's like, if he don't come in, I'm not coming in. Oh, <laughs> And then she grabbed my hand and she she was like, let's go. And then we both walked in. Hey, man. <laughs> and then I was like. You really like that. Hey, you, you really like that. And I'm like, oh, shit. Ashanti, a little boss, bitch. I like that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, 
Yeah, man. Like she was, she was just genuine. This was like her first album, you know. Um, I was like my boy. Like I said, I was doing these mixtapes from D Life, and uh, he was just showing me love, bro. He was like, he was like, bro, you're the next one. You're like on this mixtape shit, Queens, holding down New York. You playing New York records, you know. You're making New York records. You're making New York hip hop. So. It, it was a, it, at that time it was cool, man. You know, like Shanti, man, she, you know, she was killing it. She still is killing it to this day, man. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I got another question for you is so, what type of, like, what, what did the street team do? Like, what did your unit do? Cause I always like loved that era, like, like, uh, late 90s, like how, like, you know, the street teams are really out there promoting stuff. So, like, what, leave us, like, through, like, what a little process of that would look like. So, I would, uh, I, I will have like a list of stores of, of what we have called like record stores, record shops. Uh, and it'll be mom and pop stores that you can go to that local record stores that, that sell CDs or merch or things of that nature. And we just put up posters. We'll give them um, free t-shirts for, for them to sell or for them to give away. It's up to, it was really up to them, you know, Yeah. Um, promotional items, like ticket giveaways. We're like, Hey, we're doing a show. Um, in Madison Square, you know, you know, one we, we give you guys a ticket, and so that's what I did. So I, I built a pretty decent like retail list in the five boroughs. I'll go to all the events, promote there. I will put like posters and flyers all around like the schools and venues, and and then I, I did something with the guys called it was like it's called you guys will see the poster boards on the on the construction sites. Yeah, that's what we, that's what we yeah, used to yeah. do. We used to oh, do wow. that back in the days. We used to do it all on, on the, the cardboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. On the construction sites, we'll put them on all the the side of the side of the bodegas, and we'll get like glue. We'll, it's like a wee paste, and then yeah. we just and we put it on. We put it on the wall first. We'll stick it on the wall. Then we put the glue on top of the wall, and then and then it'll just be right there and shit, and it will stick through, and um and then so we did all that. For, for for a minute and and it, it, it was cool because it, it really helped the artists you know and they were seeing it was working because the um back then it wasn't like that right like right. We, we we had record stores right we had we didn't have a digital account we didn't have a itunes or spotify or pandora right so when we went to these stores to give them promo items for a record that's doing well or up and coming record that's gonna do well on Def Jam, it just showed them that we cared about them and we cared about the artists, right? It wasn't just them getting something in the mail. It was like, oh man, Gustavo from the street team from Def Jam, the rep, you know what I mean? Not knowing mm. that I was a rep. I didn't know I was a rep for them. Down the line, that's a thing like, oh yeah, I am a rep for Def Jam. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. They would call that like a guerrilla, like marketing, or like street marketing, like or with the with the construction sites. That's I love that. Like whenever I know that I'm in New York, when I see you know uh, promotions like that, I love those. Uh, Chris, oh, you got something? Uh, yeah. So why Distro Lord? How did you come up with the name Distro Lord? Did someone oh, give it to easy. you? Distro Distro's distribution, right? And everyone yep. and everyone distributes something, you know what I mean? It don't have to be music. You you can be a distro lord of of NFTs. You can be a distro lord of podcasts. You can be a distro lord like of 
of of you know what I mean of itineraries. You can be the distro lord of Excel spreadsheets. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, like that. And, the, and the lord is like you know the one lord of oneself. You know what I'm saying? Like God is you know gives you this the ability. You know God is the only you know person that can do all these things. You know that we can't really fathom to do. So like the best. You know the 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 peace. You know. So yeah, the, you know, the this show Lord, you know. Word, word. I'm really messed with that. I really mess with that. Uh yeah. So or, or you or you could really see it like if you want to get it on the like the spiritual le- level, the the distribution of the Lord. You know? Mm, okay. I feel you, I feel you, I feel you. You know, distribution, <laughs> the distribution of like the that. Lord. You know? Yes, sir. You know, like because you know, a lot of people. You know, they don't, you know, they think that actions don't have repercussions. So, and especially in the times we live in and now. So that's how I always like pushing, like, you know, you know, God, you know, the 90, you know, Allah, the 99 attributes and all that, you know, so. And it's like, yo, the highest, I feel like the highest, you know, highest of the high, you know. No, I feel you, I feel you. So what was life after Def Jam? What you do after Def Jam? Uh, but it was beautiful because I got to meet so many great people. Uh, one of the coolest people I met was a kid named Ramses. Uh, he worked at Rockefeller. Man, like, plugged me, like, plugged me with mad stuff. Uh, man, I just, I mean, I wish, I, I don't know where Ramsey's at now, bro. I wish I can just, there's just certain people now that I, I can say hi and say what's up to. Um, but, uh, he he! I didn't. I I used to try to get exclusives for my tapes. So I was like, "Come on, Ramses!" I need something. <laughs> <laughs> and then at that time, Envy and Lenny S. They had these rock. They had these rock Rockefeller mixtapes. You know what I'm saying? And Strikes yeah. Back. You know what I mean? So it was like, yo, I, I really don't got anything. You know, we gotta give it to the, to, the, to 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 Envy and Lenny. You know what I mean? And Lenny's his boss. So I was like, damn, bro. <coughs> but. He always tried to give me placements uh, to, 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 to Rockefeller rec- or to records at The Rock or The Set or whoever, like, you know what I mean, that was affiliated with that family over there. So uh, I remember um, I was working at, at that time, I started to work at uh, Bloodline, DMX's label, and started doing a, a compilation album for them. And um, I started to start doing A and R for this for this company called Short Shot, and uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just finished. I just I just found out that ODB just got signed uh, to Rockefeller, and um, I'm I'm doing my thing as A and R Short Shot, uh, trying to get my my independent game up, mm-hmm. and uh, and but I'm but also down the line I'm hearing that ODB's having some issues, uh, like they having issues breaking him. You know what I mean? Like he not really, you know, taking off the way he's supposed to take off. Yeah. But um, so I basically reached out to to Ramses. I was like, yo, I want to do like an incubation deal with y'all. Let me get uh, ODB hot. Let me put the money behind them. You know what I mean? And then mm. once I got them right, then you guys take over. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you're not you're not losing nothing. You're gaining. I'm, I already have the fan base because I already have did records with Ghostface in the past. 
So he already did a record to us for Short Shot. So I already had like the uh like like a uh it's called co-op. It's it's you pay for retail space to be in Tower Records, Coconuts, um, Nobody Beats the Wiz, Virgin, uh FYE. So uh so yeah, so they were like, Yeah, let's let's make it happen. So um Big Face Gary and uh Dame Dash signed off, you know what I mean? And uh, I got I got the vocals, and um, and yeah, we I put out um, ODB's uh, last album before he, after he passed away, and shit, you know. Let's talk about that, man. What was it? You, so, did you have experiences with ODB? I never met ODB in my life. Oh, you never met him, man. That's crazy. That's insane. I never met ODB, and um, basically, what ended up happening was. Uh, ODB, uh, my, my, all right, so Big Face had some records with ODB for the project, but, um, my, 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 my long term, my long time collaborator, uh, Ben Grimm from the Now and Laters, he was, uh, he was engineering at the studio called Hitless on Northern Boulevard in Queens, Astoria. And, um, And he shot me a text and he was like, yo, I'm in the studio right now with fucking Royal Flush, ODB, and Meyer Carey. I was like, get the fuck out of here. He's like, yo, I'll, I'll be back in the crib, you know what I'm saying, late night. I'm like, I bet mm. I'm just going to crash here and just work on these beats, you know what I mean? And uh, Hell yeah. he come through late on the late night tip, seven in the morning, uh, early morning. I mean, late morning at this, morning at this point. And I'm like, how was the session? He's like, yo, shit was crazy. Like, ODB. I'm like, I bet. So they had like a few more sessions after that, you know? And there's this time that ODB would just come with Flush. So I hit Flush and I was like, yo, what up, man? I'm doing this ODB project. I need, I need, I need some, I need some, some vocals. Like, I need some songs. And he's like, yeah, man, I got you. Like, and you know we linked up, and uh, you know we had Mark Ronson, early Mark Ronson. We had uh, DJ Premier. We had uh, DJ K Def. Uh, and yeah, man, we, we put that project out and uh, did very well, man. And uh, like I said, man, I never met ODB um, on the physical level, but I feel on a spiritual level, man. Like you know, he wanted me just to. Keep the keep his legacy cool, like you know. What I mean, keep his energy, like, yeah. You know, and it, it, it's cool, man. Like I, I never, um, he he to me, I really wanted to work with him because mm. I already worked with Ghostface at that time, and I really want, like you know, I feel like what 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 Pharrell did with him. Was 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 ODB at his finest, man. Like, mm -hmm. I got to meet Pharrell once, but I never got a chance to tell him, uh, "Thank you for oh, for doing." You know what I mean? You know, baby, I got your money. You know what I mean? Like having Khalees do the hook. Like, come on, man, Pharrell, man, Pharrell's—he's that guy, man. You know? 
That's dope. That's dope. Uh, I got a question. Uh, what would you say is your favorite project? What, what's the favorite mix you've ever done, like, in your personal, like, in your personal uh, I, I, can, I can never answer that question because I'm still making music right now. So you, you know, always, I got you, you always going, you consistently like, changing. Yeah, I, like right now, I feel like when, I, I mean, and I, I'm, I'm about to release so much music. I was just, I was just working on um, Donda 2 with Theopolis London. Um, you know, long, my longtime mentor, spiritual mentor, Mike Dean. Uh, like also working on um, Mud Brothers project is myself and this artist named Found Monday from Queensbridge. Uh, other artist named Little Boo, which we now have upgraded her name to Big Boo. And she, she went to she she went from Little Boo to Big Boo. Yeah. Cause he, she her bars are so big. I said I can't call you Little Boo. It's disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? I gotta call you Big Boo now. Yeah. Her name is her name is, you guys can check it out. Her name is uh Big Boo. She has a song called Big Leagues out right now. Um, she's killing it. She's lyrical. Um, she got bars, man. I feel like music is going a best, a better direction. Even like this whole ending, I feel like uh, I feel like people are struggling at NFTs because you know NFTs is not about uh, a, a money grab. NFTs is about community right. starting all over again. And aside from all that, teaching teaching each other, right? Like you have to teach someone certain things, and uh, I think people th didn't grasp that concept. Well, what do you what do you think about an NFT like album? I know it's already been done already, but what do you think about more of like those things? Maybe it has a virtual concert uh, connected to that. Like, what what are your thoughts on NFT in general? I think um, NFTs uh, is 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 you can't get jerked anymore. You have a smart contract. That's it. You got smart You know what you signed? You're going to get paid what you paid for. You can't exactly. get jerked anymore. You'll always get paid for your content. Point blank period. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you will never, even, even if you, per se, sell it, that person who sold it, to someone else, you will get paid off of that because it's all in the smart contract. So that's that is um, that is uh, payment in perpetuity. Which, in if I'm an artist, I would like to have paid in perpetuity on a blockchain, you know, and figure out a way to back up that blockchain if that blockchain ever goes down, you know. So yeah. now, so now, what this is also teaching is people to have to make blockchains. Uh, to, 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 to save their memory, to save certain things. And I feel like that's what the labels and big corporations are scared of, you know? Obviously, they are going to do a catered version of like, yeah, we'll pay you for a fee and blah, blah, blah. But that's not what a true NFT person is. You just have to learn the term. You, need, you have to know what a DAO is. You have to know to get them to download your MetaMask and never, ever give people your password. Because once you do that, you never get your shit back, right? Uh, to get that MetaMask, go on Coinbase, get some ETH, right? yeah. which is Ethereum, right? Load, lead up, um, pair your MetaMask, 
to your Coinbase, um, where it says MetaMask Parrot, get your ETH, and then you can go to um, Tezos, or you can go to Nifty, Nifty Gateway, or you can go to um, uh, OpenSea, and then you say Parrot to my MetaMask, and then let's say if I want to buy the $60 uh, NFT, I'll buy this $60 NFT, $50. So I buy NFT for $210. Right. You know, but you got to learn how to do it. You got to do, you actually got to do it. You got to, you got to be in this, these communities, you know? Yeah, we're, we're actually considering doing that. We're going to pair it up with uh, some exclusive content that's going to come along with it, with our NFT program. And then, we're also like partnering up with a, a few of my other buddies that have businesses. So it'll come like as like a special guest pass of, of these like three businesses, but it's also a community of uh, mushrooms where, uh, but we're working on that later on. We'll talk about that. That's a pretty, it's a pretty like fun idea, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, this is definitely the time where, you know, artists are going to start taking control of, you know, what's truly theirs. Uh, what are your thoughts on like, you know, more artists getting like, you know, either setting themselves up well, uh, you know, in corporate situations or actually become independent and, you know, doing their own thing. I think, I think artists just got to be more financial literate and know that the money's not always going to be there. And when they do get these lump sums of million, 2 million, 20 million or a hundred million um, to know what to do with their money, not just, you know, buy jewelry and expensive cars, but to buy property and units, yep. you know, to, to, to uh, buy NFTs, to learn what's going to be in the, the new financial structure. Uh, because, they, you know, we're not taught this in elementary school. You know, we're taught to be workers, you know, nine to five, you know, which is not a bad thing. Everyone being an entrepreneur, if you're not going to wake up at five in the morning, knowing, you know, knowing that you have zero money in your bank account, you got to grind. Um, you're not going to make it as an entrepreneur because there's going to be a lot of sleepless, sleeping in the street, uh, not having food in your food in your stomach uh, days, months, maybe even years before you really crack. And that's why a lot of people don't do it. They, was, you know, they have to live a comfortable lifestyle, you know? They have to live a stable, yeah. stable lifestyle, which is not a bad thing. And I never would ever say it's bad. It just, if you want to do what I do, it's not... Not, it's not all fun, you know. The, you, you, every time I have an accolade or something big happens, it's just me refining myself, you know. Right. Always, you always got to be evolving. I mean, we talked about that, like with, with you running, man. You know, I mean, that that's pretty dope. That's pretty dope, bro. Yeah, I agree. Um, see, like for me, I always viewed record labels as similar to like a bank, and it's really up to you. Uh, what do you do with the money that they do give you, you know, and like, how are you going to leverage that money to, you know, eventually pay back or just, you know, just like you said, just to leverage yourself, whether that is to invest in uh, NFTs, crypto, Money Man, uh, for an example, I, you know, I really like Money Man because he really has a um, financial literacy um image behind him like his name is is money man right and uh, i remember a couple months ago i don't know how, how how long ago like four six months ago that he uh he got a 
in advance with Empire for in a million. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, crypto, crypto yeah, in, in, in Bitcoin, crypto. you know. Bitcoin, so it yeah. just shows the mayor, you the mayor, the mayor of New York is paid in crypto. Right. We're in that age already. A lot of people think. A lot of people think that, like, uh, and I guess it's just because, like, I, I've been following it since, like, the early, like, you know, 2010, like, era, like, tw 2011, 2010 is when I started following, you know, cryptocurrency. But a lot of people are just now getting onto this, and, like, it's a big thing now. Like, everybody's yeah, using I'm, it. I ain't gonna lie, man. If I knew about this shit, Bitcoin 2011, man. That shit was 11 cents, man. I ain't gonna lie, bro. I feel so stupid. But it's a lesson that I learned, and I, now I'm on it. Like, anything new, I got to learn this shit. Like, I don't want to be, be left behind again, you know? Yeah. I agree. Which kind of which kind of leads me to my next question. Uh, where do you see the uh, music industry headed, headed towards in the future? And let's say the next five to ten years or and, and beyond. Where do you see that headed? Oh, man. The music industry is going to be run. It, it's going to sound crazy, but the music industry is going to be run by people who have to put money behind stuff. Okay. <clears throat> and, 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 and is this like money behind stuff? So can you elaborate a little bit on that? So is that like NFTs? Like, I'm basically... Like an I'm artist put in a project? I'm, I'm basically saying... Right now, artists, if they don't control their own shit, they're just gonna get bought up by someone who has money. The, the, the people be talking about, oh, no labels, labels and, uh, labels are always gonna be here, guys. Label will never go away. This is a business. You gotta understand right. something. This is called the music business. Not music friendship. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not music, not music family. <laughs> business. And if, you're real, bi yeah. and if you're businessing right, bro, it's over for you. So I feel like that's 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 the main thing that uh people need to start understanding. So how would you what would you what advice would you give to someone that wants to be an artist to lock i can't say a lockdown or you know secure you know vision they're gonna have to you know they're gonna have to work through it but what kind of path would you give a, a new artist um i would tell a new artist go once a week in times square and perform okay. or whatever or wherever your Times Square is in your city or and perform there once a week. Hey, that's, that's that's definitely a good way to get some faces around you for sure. You know what I mean? And plus if you if and plus if you do it every week, you know, people who are gonna be like, Oh, I remember you last week, I remember you last week, last week, last week. So it's just like it's gonna be like a reoccurring thing. So you know, fa familiar faces recognize. So, you know, if if you see a familiar face, you be like, hey, I, I remember you. You know, and yeah, it's it, it's all about advertising yourself. 
You know, you know what I mean? Like, who are you? What are you about? You know what I'm saying? What is your image? You know, and um, yeah, like, I, I agree. And, and, and there's no better way to do it than to be face to face with people, man, because then, the, you know, that's the, you know, because then you're going to real, you're going to bring the real uh, human into the you interaction. You want to know why you do that shit? So you know that you're not fucking better than anybody. Not better than nobody. Okay. Not better than nobody. People gotta start learning that shit now. Especially being an artist. You being an artist is you have to be disrespectful. Right. And you guys it's part of like getting out of the mud. That term, you know what I'm saying? Like it's really like you gotta you gotta you gotta really understand. You can't you can't be like I, I think that's the thing. We were talking to Zach about this. Midwesterners, we don't care about like, you know. Are you famous? Oh, you you got a hot track? Like, nah. Like, you gotta earn our respect in some way. Like, we gotta have a connection. We gotta talk, and, and you're not even gonna talk anything like that. But like, we gotta understand like where you coming from, and then we respect you for who you are. So like, that's I I totally understand that. I totally get that too. I think people need to start also understanding that um, all this click click instant famous shit, man. It's not all what it is because you're not gonna last long. Mhm. You don't know. I agree. You 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 will not know how to control a hundred thousand people if you never even had a hundred people in front of you or a thousand people in front of you. It takes a skill to do certain things, and certain people might just be naturally gifted, but certain people might not. So, what would you give an average like? Uh, I tell a up and coming artist a. Find yourself people that you really want to work with you, right? Not people that you have to keep paying, right? Because if they if you have to keep paying someone, that really means that they're just paying you for a service, right? If they really right, fuck right. with you after a while, they're like, you want to know something? I fuck with you, bro. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, I seen you doing it. You just need this extra push. I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you there. He or she, right? Um find a good team, find people that can, someone that's cool at social media, someone that does a little video, that can do video, can, can do editing. And um, I, 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 all the thing I can really say is like, you need to find people that, that want to work with you because you can't do this all by yourself, right? right. Um, mm -hmm. Social media ads and all that, that's cool, but you know, it, it's not, it, it's not gonna, um, you, you're not, you're not, you're not moving the needle and, you just you just being just being a uh, you just being you just just on a skipping skipping record. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's doing it. Find something that that works for you. You know, um, if you're using a different platform that that's not big, but you're getting results, stick to that platform. You don't need to be big on you don't need to be be big on TikTok if if you're big on Reddit, uh, low key. You know, right? No, no, I definitely understand. You gotta find your niche. You gotta find what. What's gonna excel you to your next level? I, I, I definitely get that. My question to you is, how like what what would you give a uh, like in a year uh, like term in year terms? How long have you seen like uh, you know an artist that probably has a lot of good talent and stuff like that? Like how long is their like uh, peak? I guess can they like can they, obviously there's greats that can withstand you know decades, but like what's like an average peak of somebody's career? I really don't know because people, people have their own. It's really up to the artist, you know. Yeah, it depends. You know, it, I've seen people that here today, and in five years they're gone. And 
here today, next year, I don't know, you don't see them anymore. You know, it's really, it's really up to them. You know, I really can't. I, you know, it's all based uh, on the artists. I understand that. I understand that. So, um, quick question: Top five dead or alive? Let me hear. It. Oh, top five dead or alive? I uh, hip, uh, rap right. Yes, sir. Yeah, hip hop bars, right? Yeah, bars. yeah. Bars, you know, bars, yeah. Right, it, cool. it, it don't even matter. All right, cool. Uh, top five bars, like, 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 big, big bars, like, guys like Rakim and shit, like, you know, guys who birth guys, like, tragedy, who birth guys, like, Nas, you know what I'm saying? Um, bars, bars, man. Man, uh, guys like KRS-One, you know what I'm saying? KRS-One, um, yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Man, yeah, man. Man, we talking about... Man, I, I think a lot of people uh, don't mention him, but uh, I'm going to say my fifth will have to be Grandmaster Melly Mel, the Master Mel. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You know, um, because I really, I really lived that in New York when he wrote when he put that song out, and that's one of the first songs I ever listened, first rap songs I ever listened to as a little kid at the bowling alley at my homegirl Amber's birthday party, you know, and uh, yeah, man, Melly Mel, the message, man. He, he, you know what I mean? That's 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 that's. That's real lyricism, you know, and and that song still attests to this day of what's going on, you know. Feel that, feel that. Hey, I got a question. Uh, so tell us about you know your working partnership, your mentorship with Mike Dean. Mike Dean is a cool dude, man. He he definitely from Texas because I just moved to Texas, and he remind me of a guy from Texas, man. <laughs> man, uh, so. A few years, a few years ago, I got a, uh, I got a phone call from Young Chop and uh, Wayne from um, Create Create Artists. Uh, they were like, "Yo, we're in New York. We, we want to meet with you." Uh, so I go downtown. Uh, you know, or Atrium. Atrium is a store, is a clothing store, and I meet them at Atrium, and they're like, "Yo, we're working on uh, Chop is the production coordinator of the of the Yeezus album, Kanye album. And, you know, we need you to get some producers to uh, you know, come come work with Kanye on this album. And I was like, how's fucking yeah, let's go. So, <laughs> yeah. so I call I called my homie up, my homie up Sci Fire. And um Prior, prior for me calling up Psy, he, he, he was killing it on the charts. Uh, and uh, he, he was like, he was like, kind of like a, like an understudy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, guys. He, he, he was kind of like an understudy. Uh, and how I say he was like an understudy, I, I'm, I mentored and managed these producers called the Now and Laters in the early 2000s. And uh, 
they were getting a lot of work after I started to manage them and they started doing reggaeton music. And they were like, yo, man, we're gonna need like, you know, someone, someone to bounce ideas off with when you're not around. And I was like, I bet. And then my boy, uh, Cy, uh, at the time we called him Houston because he was from Houston. Um, and uh, he came, you know what I mean? Like he came, he, we met him, he came through, he told me like, yo, we want part of squad, I need him. I'm like, he came with this big ass keyboard and then he was like, yo, want to hear some of my beats? And I was like, yeah, let's hear it. And I'm like, oh shit, you're fucking, you're fucking good. And I'm like, all right, yeah, he's part of, part of squad now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So fast forward, he, he, I, I find out that he's, he's killing it. You know what I'm saying? Um, he had, he has an unreleased album with Scarface. Like he's doing all this crazy shit. He worked, started to work with Dr. Dre. He did, uh, the, uh, the Straight Outta Compton soundtrack and movie. He did the, uh, Defiance soundtrack that won, uh, uh, an Oscar, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like super, super proud. I'm like, like a proud dad type of shit. Like, yo, what's my son? I got some proud dad shit. This motherfucker, man. I remember when you, you know what I'm saying? Came, you was came over here with them big ass yeah. keyboard. You know what I mean? So you working with the the goats of old goats, Dre B. Like you, you, you really sipping Bombay with Dre. Like, so how you doing, Distro Lord? Peace, peace. What's the deal? Nothing much, nothing much. So uh, we last left off. We were talking about, you know, your friendship, your relationship, you know, working relationship with Mike Dean. Uh, how did that all come about? Yeah, so um, like I said, you know, um, Sci-Fire, like I was saying before, he was uh, one of the guys that was working with, you know, producers that I was managing and, you know, also learning with as well. And basically gave him a call. Um, after Chop said like, "Yo, Yay is um needing a new sound for this Jesus album," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it." I called my boy Sai up, like I told you prior. Uh, he was a guy that that we took under the wing, you know. Um, taught him reason, taught him Pro Tools, a lot of the stuff that he's using now, and he basically took that knowledge and expanded upon it, you know. Yeah, and um. Around that time, he was doing a lot of big records, and I called him up. I was like, yo, you need to pull up to the session. And I called my boy Logan from Teen Girl Fantasy as well. And uh, when I first got to the when I first got to the studio over there, I seen it was Hudson Mohawk, Lunez, um, a few other b- big name producers. Um, I think Daft Punk was there. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was a cool, it was a cool little moment. And uh, maybe like the second day of the session, I couldn't find Sci-Fire. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, where'd this guy go? Um, third day, you know, I couldn't find him. And I was like, yeah, where'd this guy go? And uh, I got like a call out of nowhere. He it was Sci, and I was like, oh, shit, he's finally hitting me back. He's like, whispered, like, I'm on SNL stage. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. You were, you were yay. So... I, I really didn't, you know, he he doing what he was doing. He gives me a shout and he's like, yo, meet me at the Prada, um, the Prada thing, the Prada of New Slaves installation. Okay. And I was like, I was like, I bet let's like, like, let's make it happen. 
you know what I mean? And uh, that's when like uh, pulls up in this car, like this this uh, esca- like a kind of like a SUV, and um, he comes out the car, and then this white this older white dude comes out the car, and then he tells me like, "Yo, this is Mike Dean." And he says, Mike Dean, this is Gustavo. And he's like, you need to work with him. And he's like, and then he looks at me and says, you need to work with Mike Dean. And I was like, he was like, he tells Mike, yeah, this is, he takes care of RZA. He does all of RZA's marketing. He runs RZA's label. You need to highlight, you need to work with him. So uh, maybe we exchanged phone numbers. We took like, we took, took like some quick little flicks, you know what I mean? Um, and then like maybe a day or two later, I had a meeting with him, uh, his longtime, uh, you know, companion, Louise Donigan, uh, and two of, two of his buddies. And, uh, just basically it was like, Hey, look, you know, I don't really have, I don't have like a roster of clients. I only work with a handful of people. I'm not one of those people that want to have like 20 golden eggs. I just rather have people that I like working with. And Sai is a really good friend of mine. Uh, so let's see what we can do. And from there on, like, you know, the first thing we did was uh, we did a Huffington Post Live. And then we did NPR when this was the first time ever he told on public record that he, that he uh, produced for Selena. Um, That's crazy. And- and uh, yeah, I just been working with him ever since, you know. Just uh, I guess that makes you know. sense because wasn't Selena like from like Texas as well? Yeah, Selena's from Texas as well. Yeah, word. That's really cool. He met he met he met Selena's uh, he met Selena's um, father in the music shop. Mm, okay. And uh, and they were like, "Yo, we need you know we need you to do something for this band X Y and you know I have a band and." My daughter Selena. He didn't know who Selena was. Like from what I'm, I could be wrong, but he didn't know. Like she was a big artist. You know, he was just like helping her out. But from what he told me was, he helped her to uh, get on key and learn how to, like you know, how to sing, you know, on key and things of that nature. So that's kind of dope when you look at it. Like damn, yeah, especially in music history. That's on that level, you know. Yeah, yeah, that is really cool. That was really cool. So, uh, I think rumor has it, uh, he taught you about Uber. Is that correct? Yeah, taught me about Uber. First time ever. <laughs> Pretty funny. So, uh, was this when like Uber was just out? This is when I. This is when I just uh, when I. I'm telling. This goes back to when I did the Huffington Post interview, right? Yeah. So the Huffington Post interview was great because he talked about a lot of things and. Um, Big shout to the big homie Jay Prince. He sent over a box of rap a lot gear after that interview. Um, because Mike never knew about how big uh the type of marketing I was doing could impact instantly, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I come I somewhat almost got in, I somewhat thought I was in trouble, but I wasn't. And that's kind of why he kind of like fuck with me after this thing. I'm gonna tell y'all. Um I was doing Reddit AMAs before, like, it was popular, right? Wow. So, so 2013, I think it was, 20, 2012, when did Kanye, 
couple years has come out. 2013, 2014? 2012. Yeah. 2013, 2012. Yeah. So um, um I got him to do Reddit. AMA on Reddit on hip hop heads. Wow. I know the guy. I know the guy who made hip hop heads. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And uh, I basically was like, "Yo, let's do this AMA." And he was like, "What's that?" And this is this "Ask me anything." And he was like, "Cool." So he does the AMA. It's going off, off. Hey. Like what? That shit is like going crazy. And uh, after after he does the AMA. No, one of the questions, um, he was asked a whole bunch of questions, right? And uh, I was like, all right, cool. We're good to go. I said, Mike, let's wrap it up. Been, you've been answering questions for like 45 minutes. Let's, you know, we good. So he finished wrapping up the questions. And maybe an hour later, I'm scrolling on Twitter. And I see Twitter, in Twitter, it says, um, Kanye West confirms Jesus tour. And I'm like, what? I'm like, how does fucking... So I click on it, and it's a Pitchfork link. So I'm like, all right, cool, Pitchfork. Yeah. So I click on the Pitchfork link, and it says, during this afternoon's Reddit with producer <laughs> and longtime collaborator Mike Dean, um, he has admitted that Kanye will be going on tour for the Yeezus album. And oh, I was man. like, oh, I'm about to get it's over <laughs> it is over for me i am out of here you know what i'm saying because kanye don't play that shit kanye is very secret squirrel with his shit he he's somewhat kind of it's a it's okay a little bit of like let people know but he's secret squirrel with his shit you know what i'm saying and he don't <laughs> like people knowing everything you know what i mean that's just it's the truth. Like he's the if he if it if it should be anyone saying it should be him, right? Right. Yeah. I oh man. Right. It's his. It's his rollout. It's his album. It's he should it's his tour. Him. Yeah. Oh man. So, so what happened? So I hit Mike on FaceTime, and he's like, "Where you at?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm at the oh, at the around that time I was I was working I was working at Riz's label, and um." I was like, I'm at the, I'm at, I'm at the office, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, you're not mad at me? And he says, What did you do? And I'm like, Oh shit! I'm like, Did you search yourself on Twitter? And and then he was like, I. And I'm like, He's like, Oh shit! And he was like, It's okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> it was off like that, just like that. He's like, It's okay. He's like, He's like, I messed up, not you. I should mess up. <laughs> I said it in the interview. Hey, you know, hey. It's random people. It's random people asking questions, right? So you don't know who these random people are. It could right. be writers for Fader. It could be writers for um, Hot New Hip Hop. You know, and especially when it was like a Ask Me Anything, that's like, oh, I'm making a, I'm making a burner account. I'm about to ask whatever wild question I got, and see if yeah. see if he'll bite. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. what's so it like with that, oh. that kind of like solidified that and and you know I I have a lot of I have a lot of beautiful moments with Mike Dean man like really um, yeah man like uh I was very jaded for some time about the music industry and the industry in 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 in, in general 
But once I started working with him, he started to take the jade away from me. So that's why a lot of people say lately, man, you met you. You're more happier than ever. I'm like, yeah, because he helped me a lot. You know, he's a real, I call him my uncle. Really? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that vibe. I get that vibe. You know I, mean? I call him like my uncle. Like, I take care of him, make sure he's good. Like, I ask him, like, you exercise, like. You know, like he's a good and, person, man. Like, and he passing down the wisdom. It sound like he passed you down some wisdom. It sound like. But my sound has has surpassed where I've been at. You know, and I learned from so many amazing people, like Large Professor and Molly Mar, Killer Shah. Uh, you know, but being with Mike and Kanye, uh, especially with Mike, you know, he has he has shown me things that at this point no other uh, composer has shown me. You know, that's amazing. That's amazing. He's yeah, a really, so and he's just a genuine program. good person, man. I mean, and I'm going to tell you how good hearted Mike Dean is, right? When Mike Dean did his first album, 420, I made a t-shirt. It was him and Kanye um, mixing through the wire. It was a picture and he loved this, the picture so much that he, 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 he put it on, um, on his Instagram and people say, where can we buy this t-shirt? And I called him, I'm like, bro, we fucked up with this COVID shit. That's just like all the proceeds go to like help people in need right now. And he was like, you wanna know something? That's a good idea. And Inglewood Barbie from Chicago, she's from, from, from the South side. Like mm -hmm. she, she's really, really big in, in like in the food distribution and all that. We like gave her a nice, nice piece of money man to get our first um um safe house in the south wow. side of chicago that's so amazing uh, so already providing off of, off of just some shirts right or was it just merchandise then, or the album too yeah it was just now nah, just merchandise you know what i mean and just just that just the shirt and after that dude's like virgil rest in peace he came involved and started to help her as well so it was like you know we helped um covid COVID um, Ramadan on wheels over here in New York. You know, you know, it was Ramadan around that time. Right. And um, we helped George Floyd. We helped the uh, LAYMCA. Big shout out to Luis Donigan again, his longtime partner. Uh, she's been amazing helping him as well. And she's been amazing, like uh, me getting to know her, you know. And uh, like I said, man, he's just, he's just like outside of Mike Dean, the, um, the musical icon genius and all that like he's a really he's a humanitarian like he doesn't really get that like people don't maybe he might get mad at me talking about this but um yeah he's like a real real good like he wants to help people man like i don't know how many stories you're gonna hear but nino blue he's a guy that kanye helped out that was homeless and stuff like he told me like he seen mike on the street and Mike, he was like, hey, man, I'm a big fan of your music. And he's like, oh, and then he's like, yeah, where are you going? He's like, oh, man, I'm homeless. And he said, Mike just gave him $100. Damn. And then, hey. he says, and then he says, two days later, he sees Mike in the studio and it, at, 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 Ye's, at Ye's studio. And then he's like, yo, Mike, you remember? He's like, yeah, man. He's like, come on, I'm going to come record you. That's wild. That's an amazing story right there. Man, so it, it's good to hear that, you know, there are, I, I feel like, you know, if you like that big, you know, you probably want to, you have like a facade, but like, I hope he's not mad at you for sharing that part. Cause that's really good to hear. That's really good to hear. 
man, I, like I said, man, like I like I genuinely love that dude, man. For real, like he has big up. Me, like he has he has helped me like to become a better man, you know, like 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 Mike Dean has like kind of like I was on some real like still being a young young kid at heart and he kind of got me on some like yo you have a kid bro like you know what i mean like you gotta yeah. boss up you know what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. i like, get that like man one day, up. one day you basically he's kind of like teaching me like one day you're gonna be in my position you know what i mean and i want you to be ready you know i want you to help other you know young men and women who go who went through your situation you know what i'm saying and so yeah, bro. He, you know, leaders lead, and leaders lead by example. You know, so yeah, that's all I gotta say about Mike D. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, producer plug. So I, wa- I watched, a, I think I watched an episode or maybe two episodes on YouTube. Uh, yeah. You guys still doing that? That's still a thing, yeah. and you it's could just kind of give us a rundown. Man, so producer plug, uh, it's a beautiful platform I started. Um, couple a few years ago um just just a lot of my friend up and coming friends or producers were just getting jerked by music industry punks you know just because mm-hmm. you got you know you got a little bit of clout you're getting you're getting a little six-figure check now you can feel like you know more than people and i feel like that was a huge no-no in the 90s we you know yeah we had labels and all that but it was more of a respecting if you had the skills then we need you on board right Right. Um, and uh and and it was just getting it was just kind of getting bad you know a and r is just taking p- points taking publishing and just because they could bring them into the room with someone and i understand everyone got to make money and all that but there's a certain way you can do it so um i was like you want something i should just showcase these producers right like versus um just bringing them out. I should just showcase these producers, right? And when I showcase them, I'm going to have their, their, like, big homies, you know, judge them. This is me judging them, and yeah, like, I'm known, but if I can get, like, a large professor, a Ron Browse, you know, um, um, uh, who else? Ben Grimm, Red Spider. That was the first one I did. That was in November 17. I think that was what 2019. Yeah, 2019. I started it. Where? So November 2019. Yeah, November 2019. Uh, I started producer plug, and it's you know the next the next beat battle we had, we had uh 45 King, Easy LP, and myself, and then the next one we had uh Rock Wilder, 45 King, and Havoc of Mob Deep crazy yeah that's really dope and then after that before the pandemic hit we had uh ghostface killer right and myself and break b lou you know the guy from ultimate break beats yeah um and then uh and then the pandemic hit right Mm -hmm. and now all my producer friends who i just started to build a little community with um start hitting me hey man what's up hey man what's up man like uh What's going on with you? You're not doing producer plug anymore, right? 
I'm like, yo, I'm handling some personal issues. Uh, I'm gonna start producer plug again soon. Um, I was just trying to figure out how I'm gonna get all these people together, right? Right. And um, sat back doing what I'm doing right now, rolling one up. And I was like, damn, man, this is not good. Like, there's like 40 producers right now hitting me up, right? Wanting to do this thing. And um, I was like, oh, shit, Steve, right? My, my buddy Steve, my buddy Steve Gobbley, right? The guy who signed Pitbull and Shakira and uh, Nine Inch Nails and Little John and you know what I'm saying? Like the, yeah. the, the homie, the, the the architect of this shit, Big Steve. I think Steve Steve got this platform called Shindig. You know mm. what I mean? And uh, in 2013, I, I, I started to do demo work for Shindig bringing artists like SD from Chicago to do stuff. And I was like, oh shit, let me call Steve up. So I hit Steve and I'm like, yo, Steve, I got this platform called Producer Plug. Um, you know, I want to do a Producer Plug um, beat battle on your platform. And I want Mike Dean to be the first one to do it. And he was like, man, that would be awesome. He said, thank you for thinking of me. Uh, you know, I, I worked out the logistics on the how he gets compensated and all that, and he was like, "All right, let's do it." And we did it, man. It was like, it was two weekends, bro. Two, it took two Sundays. It was that many people wow. that signed up, and it wasn't. And the beautiful thing that I learned from that was, I it wasn't just people from the United States. It was people from India, people from China, people from all over Europe. Um. Music is really around the world too, and like I'm glad to see you know hip hop around the world. It's pretty cool to see. And all these people came and pulled up, man. And you know, Mike, Mike was like, you know, the first the first day, the first weekend, it was a little, it was a little weird because it was just, it was my first first go around. You know, I've never ever used Shindig in a big in a massive capacity that we had. Uh so yeah, it was just it was just a lot, but after the first Mike Dean episode, I was fucking awesome. Like I learned how to navigate and um there's no latency and the timing thing was cool because if people couldn't do it because they were sleeping, they, we could still play their beats. Um and yeah, we blew up. Then after after Mike Dean, we had the big homie Lodge Professor. Uh we had him, a lot of people pulled up. Uh, 45 King, you know, man, we just so many people, man, has have done it virtually, man, and it, it's been doing great, man, and I, I'm excited and been getting a lot of great press. Uh, big shout to um, Validated Magazine, um, uh, yeah, just I just, you know, I'm just really happy that it's been doing well, man, and. Uh, and and then I was getting pressured again, right? I was getting pressured again um, from my guys. Like, hey, we need a place to um, make beats at, right? And and I was doing these things called um, cook-up sessions, right? 
big the big oh, yeah. cook-up sessions, right? And yeah. people, I, and I had this studio in in Brooklyn, and um, and dudes would come and make beats with me. You know what I'm saying? They pay their fee. We'll cook up. I'll give them packs. I give them kits and all that. But what I was doing was I was I, I was I was making the cool community, but I didn't have enough room. I had neighbors that were fucking complaining all the time, like little bitches and shit. And um, and it wasn't like I was playing music at midnight, midnight to four in the morning. Nah, I just, you know, respectfully, you know? Regularly, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, during the day, you're not around, you're working, you know? So, uh, so I had to find a, find a spot. So I made a GoFundMe page. Basically, I said I need twenty thousand dollars to get a building, right? And this building, um, I'm gonna have producer plug producers come cook up beats, do the podcast, do this, do that, have a store, you know, have their merch in the store for them to sell stuff, and uh, so people started to fund it, right? I didn't get to the goal. But someone called me that I was cool with. And basically it was like, yo, um, come to my gallery. Cool. So I go to his gallery and he's like, yo, man, it's, it's like dirt cheap right now. You know, if you have any money, investment money, I'm like, yeah, I, I just put out on GoFundMe that I'm looking for a building. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I had some money, you know, I, Went around, asked a couple people, like, yo, I'm doing this thing. And uh, I need some money to to lock this thing down. And uh, I met with the guy. I met with the owner of the building. I told him what I was doing. I told him I had a plan. And uh, he was like, all right, cool. And uh, now we're here. Now we're in the building. That's hey. dope. That's dope. And now... Um, my next my next phase is uh, campaign is called Buy Two Seventy Seven Canal Street, and it's to buy this whole block. Wow, I'm gonna That's need your help. I'm gonna need your help with this because I wanna I wanna start showing people that if we can have group economics, right? And it doesn't matter about age, gender, uh, uh, color. Right. If we come together, right, we can buy things to help each other. And and we can build our own communities, just like how we're doing it in the metaverse. We can start doing it here. And 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 what I what I'm going to do is I'm going when we buy this building, I'm going to use the NFT model and everyone who contribute will get a percentage of what we make out of this building. That's dope. That's that's really dope. So some crowdfunding, a little ownership, a little, you know, a little bit of everything and, you know, a platform that can actually, you know, get producers, you know, recognition for their uh, for their talent and not for, you know, cloud or whatever. Pretty oh, dope. Like, you know, and I feel like that, that and that and that's the kind of show ownership. That's the kind of show also producers that like this is how you spend your money wisely, you know, like buying chains and all that, that's cool and all, but it's not going to help you when you have to pay a $40,000 mortgage. You know what I'm saying? 
mortgages, not mortgage, mortgages, you know what I mean? But um, but yeah, man. So and and I and I feel like you gotta lead by example and um you gotta show people, you gotta show people that it, it is possible. You know, a lot of people don't think it's possible, you know. So I have to be the the model, like the example, like, oh shit, well, you know, produce a plug, he got the story, he really did it, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's cool. It's it's a cool thing, man. And I'm like I said, like I said, like you know, it was really Mike Dean. It's that really is that first producer plug virtual that that got me popping. So like I said, man, I, I'm always thankful and I'm always grateful for Mike Dean. You know, for and for everything he has done for me. You know, it's like you're giving it that to dude is, like I said, that dude. He, you know, I owe him a lot. I always tell him all the time, like, yo, man. He's like, you don't owe me nothing, man. I, he, he said, you don't owe me nothing. I, you, I owe you owe um, I owe you a lot. And I'm like, no, I don't. He said, yes, you do. One love to Unc. Hey, one love. Corey, you had something. Sorry. Oh yeah, I was just saying, like now you're giving it back to up and coming producers. So you just giving us your sixteen uh, disciples onto the next. Yeah, man. Uh, I just want producers to know, like. It's not a competition against each other, man. You gotta, you gotta like, uh, you gotta start learning that it's a community, man. You know, everyone gotta like, everyone gotta be part of, everyone gotta be part of the same team, man. It just, it just can't be like, um, a division, you know. And I feel like that's whack. And if you really love this stuff, you're gonna do it for the music. You're not gonna do it for the fame or the clout. I feel like a lot of producers do for the fame and the clout nowadays, you know? I feel that. I feel that. Well, hey, I want to ask you, this is probably, this is probably be the last bit. There'll probably be a lot, though, because it's two, two, two major subjects. What are your thoughts? I mean, you work with the Wu-Tang Clan. We want to hear some things about the Wu-Tang Clan. And then also, what are your thoughts on, you know, your boy, yeah, Kanye? Oh, man. Um, man, I'm just, I'm just very honored to even say that, uh, I got to work with, with uh, many of the members of the Wu-Tang Clan, uh, especially the RZA. He really, really put my mind in the business mindset. Uh, I really owe him a lot too, low key. And my relationship with Mike Dean. Uh, Mike Dean did a background check and RZA gave me the cosign. Said I was, a good I'm a good family man I really love my son I really love hip-hop I'm a true student and I was fucking surprised that RZA said all of that you know he's a man of many of men a man of um, few words you know yeah uh, so when I when I found out he said that about me I was like oh shit right, he fucking fucking cares about me you know he wants me to move better in my life right um and he he like i said he told me like a business mindset like i get your this is how you structure these deals this is the contracts these are certain terms you need to know about right and um so that's what rizzo taught me um ghostface ghostface taught me um to be a perfectionist like don't just put your music or don't put the vision out there you know 
make sure it's the right it's the right time and 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 make sure that when you put it out it's gonna grasp it so that's what i like about him he he's not one to like he has the most albums but the concepts and what he be saying you know what i'm saying um um be like was like was like next level you know what i'm saying yeah i feel that it was it was like next level and shit um meth 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 taught me like to be serious about your business you know what i mean but to also have a good time right um street life taught me how to um how to be like how to be like uh how to have poker face you know like he taught me like how to really like you know stand your ground man if you believe in if you know i don't like to use the word believe if you know you can do it just make it happen you know yeah and he was one of and he's the first person in the clan that i worked with out of okay. everyone how'd that happen uh i did this mixtape for red man called um ill at will and uh after I did that mixtape, um, um, his manager, James Ellis, uh, is, um, hit, hit me up and he was like, who you want to work with? Meth, Red. And I was like, I want to work with Street Life. And he was like, what? He's like, Street Life. I'm like, bro, he's like the most underrated Wu-Tang Clan member. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like what you know it's it's a it's, it's official you know what i'm saying um and he was like all right put me on the phone with him it took me like a whole year to get him his deal at that time because it was, was doing everything independent we wasn't signing no major label yeah. and then after that we just you know we've been rocking and shocking and you know last year the Yankees uh, licensed our song "Squad Up" to be the Yankees team song. Right. It was um. It was a great feeling, man. It was a great feeling to have my son. Havoc, you know, um, because without Havoc, man, song would even, you know, he made the beat. He does. He did his fire sixteen, street life, meth, you know, ruckus, you know, like, um, just to have like. My, my my people who I knew for a long time, you know, and just having my son there just meant, meant a lot. You know, I'm like, damn, all this stuff I've been doing is finally paying off. You know, finally people are just paying some sort of homage. You know what I mean? So I really appreciate the Yankees organization and staff um, for giving us this beautiful opportunity, man. It really, it really is a life-changing opportunity. So I want to thank Yankees for that. And I want to thank my Wu-Tang brothers. Um, now to deal with my, my other brother, um, Ye, um, he's the most misunderstood person because he's, he's just, he's just really genuine and he wants people to win. He wants to, he wants, he wants to pull the best out of you. And I feel like that's kind of like, you know, when, you know, 
maybe certain people don't like that, but that, you know, when you have your, your parents, they always want the best for you, right? So if he can, he's like a scientist, right? If he can extract that part of your DNA and enhance it for you to be better, then you can live your life better, you know? Um, best thing I ever heard him say is that don't use that word can't around me. Don't use words like that. You manifest words like that. Um, and I live, and I live like that. I live, I really live like I don't use some. We see, I you see how I corrected myself using the word um, believe, believe, you know, because yeah. that word it has lying, you know, yeah. like yeah. like the word friends. Say friends. We put friends that has end in it. Friends end. You know, I I'm it's it's weird. He's etymology. No, 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 no. But seriously, I get you. I get you. You know, without a doubt. So you, you know, law of attraction type of stuff, right? So, um, but he's always been, I mean, I remember when I went to Ye's house when he first came out of the uh, car accident and and my boy Booth drove me to his house in Jersey and to see him like, like this, like but rapping and making beats on a, on a Yamaha mixer. When I seen that, that he, he inspired me that day. Like, damn. That's legendary. That's legendary now. Like, that's like hip hop history now. I can, I can walk and talk and this man, you know what I mean? Almost, you know what I mean? Like, can't even talk and all that. And he's making it happen. Like, you know, and I, and I I strongly believe, like, I strongly know that this man, you know, He's so misunderstood because of him saying a lot of positive things as of late, you know? Um, you know, they're going to try to tear him down. They're going to try to tear him down as much as they can, you know? They're going to try to tear down all the good brother Dave Chappelle, you know? Uh, this is what they do, you know? This is what they do. And this is not just the black or white thing. This is, uh, you know, stay in line thing. You know? Yeah. Stay with the narrative type deal. Yeah. Don't don't go off what what we talking about. Or we're gonna or we're gonna put you on, put you on the cross. You know. Even and it's crazy. Even if it's something like beneficial or positive to society, which is which doesn't make sense to me. It's like okay, it might not be going necessarily with the narrative, but it's still bring a positive and change. So. I don't know. I, that's what I always get, like, you know, rung up on is, like, because a lot of stuff that Ye's saying, like, you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, man, you know, he's going crazy, he's going to buck, blah, blah, blah. A lot of the stuff he's saying is empowering, and that's why, like, the younger generation, I don't know if you heard our interview with Zach, the last bit we were talking about Ye and how he's helping, like, you know, uh, you know, really just, like, the next generation, like, Generation Z or whatever, like, just open up and understand that, like, you know, kind of where we at, for real, for real. I don't get that, but yeah. Certain people are just certain, certain people are just comfortable, bro. And like I tell, like I tell everyone else, man. Like you know, um, we live in a a system of supremacy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and when you have an oppressive mindset and system, right? That's what I try to tell when people be like, oh, you're whitewashed, right? 
It's like your mind is whitewashed. Your mind is bleached. You bleached your mind because you're not getting the right information. You get what I'm saying? You're getting the information that's been like, you know, like I was talking to my friend a few days ago, right? Like they're, they're trying to make so many changes in public schools, right? They want to change so many things besides the history. Why American history starts with us being slaves. Everyone wants to change everything in all the curriculums, but they don't start with public. My son goes to public school this year, and it was the worst choice I've ever done because the public schools in New York are horrible. My son went to private school because of me and his mother has the means to it. And she was like, yo, let's try public school one year. And I was like, cool, let's just do it now. So at least he knows the difference. And it's a shit show, you wow. know? It's a shit show. And, um, and, the, and, the, and the history books is the same thing, you know? Hasn't changed. You know, you know I, I tell my son, we, I told my son a long time ago, before he, before he even went to school, I said, listen, we did not come from slavery. This is your ancestry. We come from like the one of the richest dynasties, Inca dynasties the world has ever seen, right? Like this is where you're from. Because that, that plays a major, major part of who and, and who you are, right? If if you keep seeing positive messaging of this person, right? Then you know, all right, all these people are just positive, right? Right. But if you're dealing with people that are just negative and all they do is just negative stuff, all right? It's easy to be, um, it's, it's easy to do things, to do negative things. It's hard to do positive things. Extremely hard. Extreme, extremely hard. You know? I feel that, so, I feel that. That was just uh, the same thing you were talking about with Gay about uh, what words to stay away from. Because you just keep that in your head, just like you keep those negative actions in your head, like just have it, just going to get comfortable with it. You said, like, gotta get out of that comfort and do something positive. Yeah, man. But yeah, aside from all that, that's that's basically it in regards to, yay, good dude, uh, family man. Make sure he takes care of his family. You know, that, that's the one thing. You know, being being a father, especially now, is crucial for men. If you have kids take care of your kids if you don't take care of your kids someone else is going to take care of your kids he's showing that narrative that he's a good dad he's a right. part he's an excellent dad. He's an extraordinary dad for a person to take care of his kids right and still do what he does that takes a lot of effort and takes a lot of work and i feel like you know, especially being a man in this in this day of age, like he should should be commended, you know. Right. And they don't talk about that he takes care takes his kids out to school and does all the daddy stuff. They don't talk about that, you know. They want to talk about oh he lived he bought a house across the street from his wife. Like he has money, B. Why would I have to travel if I had the money and and, and just to do that? That's not a one up. It's like, man, I'm right here. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I think it's just so wild. Want to see your dad go across the street. 
That's so wild. That's so wild that that people were really like, but that's you know, but that's that. how. But that's how. That's what know, they want. Negativity, lower vibrational negativity. You know, they they attract easily. You know, so that comes together real quick. But like I said, good brother, great, amazing family man. You know, he helps the community that I know of because I've personally seen him do certain things. Uh, but like I said. Shouts to Ye, down to two on the way. Word, word, word. All right, well, Distro Lord, thank you for your time. I got one last question. This is this is the headliner question. Uh, where do you think culture is going to be in the next five to ten years, in your opinion? Culture overall. Oh, man. We're in a great space right now. That's all I have to say. Um, whatever hierarchy... Um, people think they're they're you know gatekeepers. That's all been that's gone now. So it's going to be interesting um, the next five years. There's going to be a lot of innovation and a lot of um, who. If you're really someone, if you're really making it happen, that's that's going to show. If you're a jokester, you're making you're not making it happen. It's going to show. But yeah, in the next five years is going to be the greatest. Um, improvement of innovation of music that we have seen in a long time. Word. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Well, Distro Lord, we appreciate your time. Thank you for, you know, two days. You know, we, we filmed for two days and we really appreciate it, it, man. Yeah, let's get it. We here. Um, and hopefully we can have you on again. We definitely want to have a, another conversation with you as well on another. Yeah, follow up. Let's do that follow up. We'll be good to go. We'll do that. We'll do. We'll do. Uh, well, peace out, Mr. Lord. We appreciate right. you. Appreciate you. I right, peace.